Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Dirt and Sprague. 915, let's have a great day, everybody. Cut the With Andy Dirt Johnson. I said that I wanted to have kids, and you said that you wanted me to have a vasectomy. What did I do? When you said that you might want to have kids, and I wasn't so sure, it's like reversed. And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, what, it reversed back. And Brendan Sprague. Stip, stop, stip, stop, stip, stop. You have no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. The Fan. I've been talking about All right, welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here, live, local. And happy to be back with you here in 2023. Hello. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> no. Fingers crossed. Hopefully past the month of February. <laughs> Just get me past June, please. Knock on wood. Uh, no, we joke. But we're happy to be back. We had a nice little vacay, um, and we have a lot to catch up on. Not to push more things to the side and jump in immediately. I can't help but react to a couple things that just happened. One... God, I, I felt so bad yesterday. I felt so, so bad. There's nobody outside of my team I think I root for than Kyle Whittingham. Everything Kyle Whittingham is a part of, I'm like, I want that dude to succeed. He's a great guy. I mean, genuinely a nice guy. You think about everything the program has been through the last couple of years, too, and the loss of two teammates. You think about his start. He took over for Urban effing Meyer. Yep. And then transitioned him from the Mountain West to a Power 5 conference. Ate a little crap a little bit. and then Took came, his lumps. And then built the program up to where it is now. Utah, I've concluded, Utah is, they, unfortunately for them, are going to go down as having the coolest Rose Bowl gear with the least success in the Rose Bowl. <sighs> it's rough, man. To go 0-2 in the coolest helmets of all time. Dude, their merch last year and their merch this year was so badass. The U's and the Roses. Yeah. I wanted them to have this Cinderella story ending where they finally won the Rose Bowl and Cam Rising's hold, holding up the trophy and Whittingham is smiling. Didn't help that we talked a lot of S on the show about Penn State, too. A lot of S. Come on. I mean, you know, Clark Phillips, Cam Rising got hurt. Get out of here. Penn State's a joke. Uh, play a real play a real healthy team. Like, play U-Dub. See how you fare against them. Um, they would have if Utah didn't win the Pac-12 championship game. They would have played UW. And I guess Husky fan was mad at Utah fan for, like, look what you guys did. We could have won that game. It's like, well, calm down. I mean, they were playing great at the end of the year, and they peaked in their bowl game, and they they won it impressively again. It was a major bummer, though, yesterday. I was I was 
depressed for Utah fan. I'm with you. I there's there, they beat the s out of my team twice last year, and Oregon's lost some pretty heartbreaking games to Utah since they joined the conference. There's a level though with Utah of respect. You're not mad at. Like, I don't them hate for Utah doing, in yeah. any. Like uh, you're pissed when your team loses to them, obviously, especially in embarrassing fashion. But there's such a level of admiration and respect for what they've done, building it up, finally winning the conference, getting to the Rose Bowl. Back-to-back years, I I was rooting like hell for them yesterday because the Pac-12 needed that win, too. It would have been nice to have your conference champion who unfortunately lost to a 6-6 six and six Florida team to start their year. Not a great look. This was your chance on a big stage. And they, they maybe win that game if Cam Rising is healthy. That's a butterfly effect we'll never know the answer to. But to have him get hurt back-to-back years, that's that's brutal for that fan base. Well, and, and, and also just I, I think in general, like Penn State, I, I hate Penn State. I root against Penn State. They're almost Ohio State level to me. Sure. Can't blame you. Really awkward that they're the fan base swinging, singing Sweet Caroline. That's a very uncomfortable situation. <laughs> um, that being said, I was really happy for Sean Clifford. Did, I was too. Did you see his he, – he was caught like his head helmet was on. He was caught like he, he just openly wept. He is the most tied for the most wins in Penn State history as a quarterback. Been there a long time. They went nuts for him at the end of that game, and I I was happy for him. Not so much the program, more just Sean Clifford. I thought that was a cool moment. But I gotta get to the game before Utah, and I really mean this. I cannot take Lincoln Riley seriously anymore. Welcome to the club, buddy. Now, before we dive into this. Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in college football. Of course he is. Uh, you would kill for your program to have a Lincoln Riley. He is 0-6 in New York New Year's Six Bowl games. I think he's 1-5. 1-5, yeah, thank you. He Sorry. won. He's 0-4 in the playoff. He won a random Cotton Bowl during his time at Oklahoma. and then Is it 1-6 or 1-5? I thought he had lost six straight or somebody. Well, let me look it up. Okay. I think it's 1-5 because okay. he's only been to six of them, but let me check. He has no real success on this level. And look, like LSU, the greatest team ever assembled. I don't expect you to win that game with Jalen Hurts and company. Like LSU was stacked that year. That being said, they've had some close losses. They have had losses where you scratch your head. Yesterday, blowing a 15-point lead to Tulane. I mean, yeah, the guy knows offense. The guy has Heisman Trophy winners. At some point, at some point, and I believe that point is now, Dirk. We need to be having the conversation nationally when we talk about Lincoln Riley and his teams. You have to care about defense. Yeah. He answered three questions in the postgame yesterday and then dipped the hell out of there. So shout out all the reporters that got to travel and then have no questions answered. He's loyal to Alex Grinch, maybe to a fault. And yeah, they're USC. Maybe they'll buy their talent. But like until he shows me that he's actually taking the defensive side of this thing seriously, I don't know if I can put him in certain conversations. I really don't. I, it's kind of one of those, you say this all the time in basketball, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I believe they'll be really good. I believe they can win the conference next year. I'll believe they can beat a legitimate team on a New Year's, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day type game. When he actually takes defense seriously. He's 1-4 in New Year's Six games. 1-4, in four, thank you. He is 0-3 in, in the college football playoff. Yeah, uh, They lost in 17, the close game to Georgia in the Rose Bowl. That was his first year as head coach. 18, they lost to Alabama in the Orange Bowl. They got, got thumped s- twice. Got smoked. That was the Kyler Murray year. And then 2019, I believe that was Hertz's year. They get, went and just got housed by, by LSU. And then, of course, losing the Cotton Bowl yesterday to, to Tulane. They won the Cotton Bowl in 2020. I don't remember anything about that game. Uh, but that was the COVID year. So that was his 
his lone New Year's Six win. This has always been my argument about Lincoln Riley. Nobody questions his ability as a brilliant offensive play caller. Nobody questions his ability to find and develop quarterbacks, turn them into number one picks, turn them into Heisman Trophy winners. He's doing it again. Caleb Williams will be the number one pick in the draft. He won the Heisman Trophy. He might win it again next year. Like Nobody's ever doubted that. But I've always found him fascinating because we criticize some coaches and we don't criticize other coaches. And I always ask the question, why? And one of the guys who's been put through the ringer the last couple of weeks is Ryan Day at Ohio State. And I I get it. Like, it hasn't gone well for him, and they've lost to Michigan back-to-back years. He's got a playoff win. He's been to a national championship game. A lot of people forget it, but he did. He went with Justin Fields. They beat uh, Clemson in the semifinal and went. He's he's won, he's won something that Lincoln Riley has not won. I also thought it was fitting in the weekend that the Big 12 finally got their first playoff win. The Big 12 was the only conference until this year to A, only put one team in the playoff. It was Oklahoma. They never won. And B, never won a game. Every other conference, major Power 5 conference, had won a playoff game and sent multiple teams. TCU goes. They became the second team to go. I'm rooting so hard for them. And I am, too. They became the first Big 12 team to win a playoff game. And their first shot at it. Um, And so I, for the Lincoln-Riley conversation going forward, I have no doubt that USC is going to score 45 points a game. And hardly anybody's going to be able to stop them. The problem is going to come. There's going to be two or three games next year where you're, you're going to need to turn around and say, hey, can our defense win us this? And for large parts of Lincoln Riley's career, the answer has been no. And until he starts taking that, I don't know if it's hiring a new coordinator. He's changed out coordinators multiple times. I don't know if it's the transfer portal is going to be the easy solution. They've, I think they've picked up you know, a couple linebackers in a corner from, from the transfer portal already. If, if it's more, you know, a different emphasis in recruiting. like At some point, as a head coach, you have to adapt. And as good as his offense is, his defense leaves a lot to be desired. They gave up 46 points and blew another 14-point lead to Tulane. Tulane. That line was fishy the entire time, only being favored by two. You're like, what's going on here? They got to one and a half. Got to one and a half. USC jumps out to a 14-0 lead. You think, all right, that wasn't fishy. USC's going to blow them out. Right. And all three of USC's losses this year, twice to Utah and to Tulane, they had a 14-point or more lead in all three of those games and blew all three of them. I mean, the fact that you can't trust your defense in the last three minutes of a game to stop a, a Tulane team, who, by the way, a, a great story of college football was Tulane going from two wins last year to winning, what did they win this year? 11, 12, 12 yeah. games? 11 and 2? Uh, 12 and 2. 12 and 2 is what they finished. The quarterback with. couldn't even throw the football hardly. That's, he had eight completions. Yeah, but how many of those came on that final <laughs> drive? I think he had three or four of them. But on two the final of those drive. fourth down conversions were just him running around. Running it. Like, yeah. Dude, put a spy. You know, this guy doesn't feel comfortable throwing, and he was 8 of 17. It's a weird thing because USC got, I think, the most love of any team in the conference for like all conference stuff. They had the defensive player of the year, and mm-hmm. which is odd. Like, no offense. I know the, uh, what's his name? Tui. Yeah, their defensive lineman. He led the nation in sacks. He led the nation in sacks, but, like, that defense was a joke. All year. You know their best defensive performance, coincidentally, came in Corvallis. It was their, yeah, undoubtedly their best game of the year. That just ended up being somehow a slugfest. Uh, four interceptions would do that to you. but <laughs> That helps. Like, outside of that, they just you never can't trust it. You couldn't trust it at Oklahoma and you can't trust it now here year one. We'll see what year two is. But I'm officially putting Lincoln Riley in the great coach with a very big problem. And if 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 Alex Grinch isn't on the hot seat, that needs to change drastically. I liked that guy at Wazoo years ago. I don't know if he's proven that he's an upper echelon defensive coordinator. And if you want to win the way they want to win at USC, you need the right guy in charge of that side. Because it's clear Lincoln Riley has no idea what to do. He has no idea. I don't even know if he can gauge if his team is any good on defense. 
if he thinks they are, I don't know what he's watching. And so yet again, USC gets let down by their defense. And yes, I'm sure Danny's going to come crack the mic at 12 <laughs> o'clock today and they'll get to USC. But we're all pushed back on what I assume he is going to conclude is I can't take USC ultra serious as a national title contender, which is what their fans want until I actually see it unfold in front of yeah. my eyes. And so that's kind of where I'm at with Lincoln Riley. I'm still, I, I get it. The Lincoln love. I understand it. Heisman trophy winners, brilliant offensive mind, brilliant offensive mind, but there's two sides to the football and you're the head coach. It's your responsibility to also care about the defensive side. Well, and I brought this up earlier in the show. Like we, we have praised his ability to recruit and rightfully so, because he was an elite recruiter at Oklahoma that has continued at USC. They have three players in their 2023 class that are ranked in the top 75 of the country. In fact, all three of them are in the top 35. All three of those guys are offensive players. And so I, it, to me, it's just it's highlighting again, like you're not putting a point of emphasis. I don't know why they can't finish the recruiting battles for some of these guys. They they need help desperately on the defensive line. They need help desperately in the secondary. This defense all season long was a sieve, and we allowed turnovers to be a distraction. Hey, they're forcing a lot of turnovers. A lot of that is luck in college football. A lot of that is just a ball bouncing your way, a deflection here, a fumble there. This defense gave up 43 points in their loss to Utah. They gave up 37 points to Arizona. They gave up 35 points to Cal. Cal couldn't score on anybody. Gave up 35 to Cal. Gave up 45 in that game to UCLA. Gave up nearly 30 to Notre Dame. Gave up 47 in the Pac-12 championship game loss. Like for as, for as much maligned and criticism in this neck of the woods that Oregon's defense got for the way that they finished the season, at least when you look at a lot of these comparable games, you're holding teams to 10, 17, 20, and you're allowing your offense to win a game comfortably by scoring 40. USC had a win a lot of games down the stretch where your offense essentially had to be perfect, and you just you can't do that year in and year out. And so that's where my criticism of Lincoln Riley has always come from. When you put him in the conversation as the best of the best, this guy is one of the elite coaches in the sport. One, eventually you need to see it in the, on the highest level. We did this with Kirby Smart. We've We've done it with Ryan Day. Like, we do it with a lot of big-time coaches. Like, all right, you're great. Go win a playoff game. Go win a national championship. And a lot of those guys have. And there's a certain aspect of Lincoln Riley that, for whatever reason, he's just kind of flown above that criticism. And yet again, here they were giving up a ton of points. And until I see it, I'm not going to expect anything different from a Lincoln Riley defense. Uh, is winning a bowl game carry momentum for you? We'll get to that next on The Fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ray tweeted us and said, I thought you guys were going to be on yesterday. I turned it on only to have listened to national programming for three seconds. It scared me. <laughs> I forgive you. Sorry. Sorry. Thanks for the forgiveness. I had a buddy text me yesterday. Are you still employed? I said, yeah, man. I'm just on vacation. I'm back tomorrow. It's all right. <laughs> We can't, uh, you know, we had some days. We had to use our days. What do you want yeah, from yeah, us? I'm a big fan and a big proponent of getting to the end of the year and unplugging. Yeah. And just, you know, reset everything, your mindset, be with family, spend some downtime, and then you turn it back up. Here we go again. I had one day last week. It was kind of at the tail end of the week, but I had one day where I was, like, trying to get some cleaning. and org- I'm like, oh, I'm going to be organized and clean this year, right? <laughs> like everybody else. And I go, I'm going to start tomorrow. And, like, I started... And what I had happened was I had started a thousand piece puzzle. Ah, uh, yeah. And before I knew it, I looked up and went, "It's four o'clock." I started this at nine thirty a.m. <laughs> I've been doing this all day. I knew this is a seven hour job. Isn't it great? I watched so many movies. We we got into a new TV show. We started watching Jack Ryan on Amazon with uh, Jim Jim from Jim from the Office. Jim is Jack right he now. He is Jim and Jack. Man, big fan. Good show. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I didn't watch Violent Night yet. I have not either. I wanted to, and I just didn't have time. I did introduce my daughter to Die Hard. Oh, what'd she think? She was skeptical at first because it looks old. You know, Dad, this looks old. That's from the 80s. And then she got glued. How do you not? She's like watching him run around through fire, you know, getting shot at. She's like, is he going to (laughs) die? And then she goes, does Carl Winslow die in this movie? Carl Winslow. And I go, God, I'm so proud that you know that name. And also, no, don't worry. You can watch this. It still cracks me up every time I watch that movie that the villain was somehow buried in a, or put in his body bag with his assault rifle. At the end of it, he just pops up. Still alive. it's ridiculous. No big deal. Okay. Carl Winslow saves the day. I had to tell her that Hans Gruber, I go, you know who Hans Gruber is? And she goes, no, who is? He, he looks like a creepy guy. And I go, that's Severus Snape. Because <laughs> she's a Harry Potter of fan. Of course. R.I.P., by the way. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Um, do you believe, let me ask you this, because I feel like we both are going to say yes, and we're both going to say, well, that's ridiculous at the same time. Okay. Do you believe that Bowens carry momentum with them? Like, so Oregon plays UNC, because if you would ask me this after OSU beats Florida... I would have said, man, this is huge. You win 10 games. You're going in the offseason. Here you go. You've only done this two other times ever. Mm-hmm. And then I asked, do you believe that momentum is real for Oregon for a bull win against UNC? Is that a thing? I saw this a little bit when Oregon finally came back and they beat UNC. There was like, hey, look at this momentum they're taking into the offseason. I was like, is that is that a real thing to people? No. 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 The answer for both is no. Okay. Is it going to make you work out harder because you won your bowl game? Is it going to bring you closer together as a team? I, you know, maybe you argue it helps you in the transfer portal, although I think DJ is going to Oregon State whether they win the Vegas Bowl or not, and Oregon's not going to land anybody new just because they won the Holiday Bowl. I think these bowl games, they're fun for the fan bases. They're, there's there's milestones that you want to reach. Oregon State getting to 10 wins for the third time in program history. Oregon having another 10-win season. I think the numbers are like 
12 of the last 15 years. I, I can't remember them specifically off the top of my head, but it's really incredible what they've done. Oregon didn't have a 10-win season as a program until 2000. And since 2000, in the last 22 years, they've done it double-digit times. Like It's remarkable where the program's at, the consistency that they've had, despite the fact you've had many head coaches come and go, and Lanning again becomes another Oregon coach to get to that milestone. It's important for the fan base, but no, I don't think it gives you any extra motivation or uh, momentum going into the offseason. Both programs were going to feel great, probably, about where they were at. Oregon State for the way that they finished the year. Oregon for the way that they you know performed on signing day and some of the kids that they brought in in this class. No matter what was going to happen, both of them were going to have big expectations next season. You're just happy that both of their seasons ended in a win. And Oregon was... They had to eke it out. wasn't pretty. the uh, The offense sputtered for large chunks of that game. I don't know what quite the reason for it was. Was it you know the time off? Was it not having an offense coordinator? Bo still didn't quite look one hundred percent. Was very uncomfortable running the football. It's hard to classify it, but they woke up when they needed to, and then there was a happy doink to send everybody home. Uh, Thirteen times since two thousand, they've won ten or more games. Um, like that's a that's a great stretch, man. To do that in twenty two yeah. years, that's that's pretty remarkable. Uh, yeah, I mean, compared to what Oregon's program was, if you would have told the Duck fan that in 1994. Yeah. 90, well, 94 was a good year. 93, 92. <laughs> they'd been like, what? That's coming? Okay. That Rose Bowl got some love yesterday, too. I did not know that was Penn State's only other Rose Bowl win in the history of the program. Yeah. How have they not won another Rose Bowl? Well, they haven't been to it. Well, as they much were as an independent think. school for the longest time, so oh. they weren't. They didn't get the big. They didn't have a. They didn't have a path to. They used to play in the Orange Bowl all the time. I I caught a little bit of our show. There was one morning I was doing some stuff, and I'm like, you know what? I what are we playing right now? I had no idea. (laughs) What's on the air? And I heard Patrick and Joe, and they were doing spring line picks, and he picks the under of 73 in UNC Oregon. And while I didn't necessarily see that, I was like, okay, I like the contrarian play there, and they were giving him all kinds of crap. Really. I see like 88 points. And he took I mean, some I did too. Court. And they barely, I mean, the final was the well below. Yeah, it was well below the On the pregame show, I thought Oregon was going to score 50 points. UNC's defense was horrible all year, and they had nobody playing in that game. Oregon's defense was horrible all year, and you're playing maybe the best passing prospect in all of college football who showed you that he, he's an NFL caliber player. Oh, that kid, that kid. He's a stud, man. Now, has he got one more year? One more year. So he it's was a redshirt freshman this year? Yeah, so it's going to be a debate between him or Caleb for the number one pick, and yes. I don't know if you lose in either one of those scenarios, but that kid looked amazing. Yes. Yeah, I know his numbers weren't the most incredible. He had all his wide receivers opt out. His offensive line wasn't fully healthy. I, he, he just looked the yeah. part to me, right? Caleb, to me, looks the part. He yeah. looked the part Drake May did. I think part of the problem for Oregon, Bucky Irving, kudos to him, a 1,000-yard season, an amazing game against UNC. I think part of the reason Oregon didn't score what you thought Bo Nix clearly has like a wasn't, high ankle, or he's got yeah, a massive he injury healthy. that has not led him to be healthy. And so I think yeah. that took that part of him being mobile, that took it out of the equation. And also, by the way, it's, you know, you're kind of got a new offense, but you're running some of your old stuff, I'd imagine. So yeah, kind of a weird play. A good, smart pick by you to take the under. But I, I think, think that's the why biggest issue scored. I saw throughout a lot of the bowl games. Uh, the timing, especially for big passing teams, the timing between quarterbacks and receivers just they had been off for so long that it just wasn't there when they got up to game speed. Yeah. I, I think the question for bowl games for every team is, is rust or rest going to win out? Because yeah. you've had time off. And some teams are ready to go, and the rest was great, and everybody's healthy. The timing's there. And for other teams, it's rust because you haven't played a game in a month, and you're used to playing every week. The, the, the random thing in that game, though, was Oregon – 
you know, was trending towards the kind of game that we thought it was going to be. They had the ball inside the 20-yard line with two minutes to go in the first half, and they were going to take what you would assume would be a 21-14 lead into the locker room and then get the ball to start the second half. And you had that weird, you know, deflected interception that bounced off the guy's knee and off a cleat. Was it a kick? Was it not a kick? And then North Carolina scores on the next play. That totally flipped the game, and I think that kind of shell-shocked Oregon for a bit. The, The main takeaway, although I will say I give a lot of credit to Oregon's defense. They were shorthanded. They gave up a they gave up a chunk of yards in that long touchdown at the end of the first half. I thought they played with a lot of effort. I thought that Bridges kid who has stepped in for Gonzalez, Dude, he, he played he great, showed man, you a lot and he had a lot of issues this year. He made a lot of mistakes. So you're hoping development takes place there. The, the only major takeaway for me was I, and this is unfair to a certain extent, very happy they did not hire internally for an offensive coordinator. There, there wasn't a lot of creativity. There wasn't a lot of motions. There wasn't a lot of different formations. And I don't know if that's just because, hey, first time calling a game, let's make sure we get the plays in. There's an art form to it. You're trying to set up a defense, and there's a flow of a game that you want to try to, to develop. They didn't have any of that. And mm. so, I again, Junior Adams and, and Maringer, who was the tight ends coach, those guys, I think, were, were co-OCs for that bowl game. You give them an offseason, maybe by the time next year rolls around, they're ready to go and the offense looks different. In a short period of time, it just... It wasn't quite clicking the way that we had seen Oregon's offense click for large chunks of the season. Bo was still a little banged up. Uh, but to me, I was I, I left it happy that they went out of house to hire a new offense coordinator because the offense that I saw in that bowl game didn't leave me inspired for what could have come next year. Uh, what do we make of this season, and who should be the favorite going into next Pac-12 season? Let's talk about this with our good friend Josh Pate, the unofficial but the official commissioner of college football, joins us for the Daily Ticker coming up. We'll get to Oregon State Landing, their quarterback, and then also the mail sack at 8.15. Loaded, hour and a half coming up. Josh Pate is next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Pelican Brewing presents the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit with the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about. And some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague is brought to you by Pelican Brewing. Born at the Beach. 
All right, daily ticker time here on a Tuesday. Brought to you on the fan by Pelican Brewing Company. Born to the Beach Online at pelicanbrewing.com. And there is a lot going on in the world of college football. What a weekend of college football. And, and arguably the best playoff day we've ever seen. The back-to-back games were amazing. The Pac-12 are all excited about what's to come. Joining us now is our good friend Josh Pate of the Late Kick Live. The Late Kick Podcast at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Uh, you were down in, in uh, I believe, in Atlanta this weekend, Josh. I mean, just... What was that one like? That was, that was maybe the best playoff game we've ever seen. I didn't think Ohio State had a chance in hell of competing with Georgia. There they were with an opportunity on a last-second field goal to win it. What did you make of that playoff game, and what was what were the vibes like in, in the ATL? Well, it was very unplayoff-like. Uh, for someone who's been to a lot of these things, normally you get that kind of corporatized feel. Not as bad as the Super Bowl, mind you, but it's a little bit more distilled, I guess, when you get in these neutral site venues and the ticket prices go up. But this Ohio State-Georgia game, and I was saying it in the second quarter, I was saying it at halftime, and then we saw how the game ended. It felt like a genuine week five on-campus, middle-of-the-afternoon college football thriller. Uh, the ending speaks for itself. But I also, you know, I thought going in, a lot was being made of how Georgia was going to physically own Ohio State. I never thought that. I, I picked them to win the game very close, which is what happened. But I never thought that there was this great big physical mismatch. I did not think Michigan overmatched Ohio State physically. I thought they won the game in a different way they had the year before. And that got overblown a little bit, and it warped expectation of how inferior Ohio State was going to be in that game. Athletically, they go shot for shot with Georgia Uh, some position groups they are way better than Georgia and one of them's receiver and that's exactly why they were able to hang in the game Uh, but at the same time if you can take a team's fastball like Georgia did and you still find a way somehow some way to win the game uh, that's a testament to your medal that's a testament to your character as a championship program and now we have a near two touchdown spread in a national championship game which is amazing to me but that's where we are. And I'll be taking all those points. I'll take TCU to try to cover. That's a tough team out there. Uh, you know, Josh, I'll, I'll ask you about a non-playoff game here. USC loses their lead to Tulane yesterday. And, look, there's no refuting what Lincoln means to a quarterback, what he means to offense. The guy clearly can can win. We saw him win at Oklahoma, get to the playoff a couple times, obviously turning USC into what this is. There is a part of me, Josh, as much as I love Lincoln Riley, I loved the move by USC to get him, there's kind of a, I need to see you do this at some point, and defense matters. Like, Lincoln is phenomenal and yet doesn't seem to care about that side of the ball. Where are you at on Lincoln Riley right now, given what we've seen in the bigger games that they've played, whether at Oklahoma or USC, and just kind of where his defenses traditionally are? So traditionally, you're right. And I can't promise you that he's made the required decisions to change that. I don't know that. But let's just theoretically say, He's realized everything that you and I are talking about now, and he realized it in the latter stages of his Oklahoma tenure. Then he gets the USC job. And so he's been there about a year, a little little over a year now. My point is, even if he knew all that and was fully committed to it, there's only so much he could have done in year one defensively there. The ultimate test of that will be, are there any staff shakeups after this? Uh, Are are there any roster moves? How do they continue to incorporate and develop the skill they're bringing in? And over time, we'll find out. Now, the worst case would be nothing changes. Because yesterday, and not the first time we've seen it, 
you're scoring in the mid-40s, but yet special teams it makes a crippling mistake late, and then defense lets them down pretty much all afternoon, and two-thirds of the phases of the game there are letting you down in a way that really keeps you from achieving at a high level with what is a dynamite offensive product. And it's, it's the reason that we call this game a complimentary game. And sometimes that gets lost on folks. Now, again, he's in a position where he can recruit the level of athlete defensively they need. Can they develop it? Can they scheme it? I think that's the question moving forward. But I, I don't think he's ignorant to it. It's just, are the necessary changes being made? That's a more long-term question. Yeah, we're talking with our good friend Josh Payne about all everything going on in college football at Lake Kick Josh on Twitter, the host of Lake Kick Live and the Lake Kick Podcast. Uh, and you are Pac-12 paid, so let's continue on this this line of questioning. So, <laughs> well, we were just talking about Big Ten team. Uh, well, t- t- well, not yet. Okay, <laughs> that, I mean that kind of leads into the question, but uh, we get you know. Oregon State lands DJ Uyunglele. Beaver fans are fired up. This is the most excited they've been in, in a generation. Oregon's getting Bo Nix back. He has a chance to be a Heisman finalist next year. Washington's getting Michael Penix back. He probably should have been a Heisman finalist this year. We mentioned USC, Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner coming back next year. And that's not even bringing up Utah, who's now gone to back-to-back Rose Bowls and loss in heartbreaking fashion yesterday. You know, It's a double-edged sword because we're excited, but it's also the last year that this is going to exist. So it's a, it's kind of a weird feeling, but how amped up is Pat? Pac-12 paid for the 2023 slate next year. Considerably, considerably amped up. And that stat that was floating around about how conference hasn't been to the playoff in six years, their teams are one in seven in the last eight New Year's six appearances. It hurts. It hurts all of us. Uh, But we can't wear it like a chain around our ankle. we got to break free eventually. (laughs) And the way you break free is good quarterbacks coming back, check. Uh, we got good coaches in the conference, check. Now, here's what you need to look for. So the decision with USC and UCLA notwithstanding, I think the Big 12 is giving you a pretty good indicator that you don't have to, you don't have to be bogged down by a couple of your big brands leaving because Texas and OU are on their way out the door. And TCU said, who cares? We're just going to win the conference or well, we're going to play for the conference title and go to the playoff and make it to the title game anyway. Uh, the Big 12 has not suffered an iota, as Meemaw would say, from two of their big brands leaving. Uh, they've actually picked up the slack. This is one of the better years of Big 12 football we've seen in decades. And so I would say the same thing about the Pac-12. You can either choose to get caught up on who's leaving, or you can choose to focus on how much more oxygen that leaves in the room for you. And when you've got good coaches, which they do out there, and you've got really opportunistic programs in a good position roster-wise, by the way, Uh, crazy things can happen and no one's ever going to sit here and tell me something can't happen anymore after what we're sitting here watching TCU do right now. Uh, Josh, I, I I don't, I just a little uncomfortable and a little awkward. I don't, I'll let you do it. I, you want to tell my co-host that you're picking Oregon state to win the conference next year. I don't know if he's ready for that. It's emotionally been difficult for him. You know, Oregon state beat Oregon in the the civil war football game. They win one and they think they're big time. Well, we're a DJ away from being undefeated this year and probably winning the chip, but uh, no, who, who would, who would your pick be? I, I, I know this is the all too early. What are we doing predictions right now for, because we still have another signing day. There could be more transfers in the portal. But let's just have fun with this. It's going to be a big year of Pac-12 football next year. If I was to ask you, Josh, who would you pick if you had to lay a couple bucks on a team to win the conference next year? Who would you pick? I think the Bo Nix retention is one of the biggest roster moves in America. And I'm talking about recruiting, period, 
I'm talking about um, transfer portal period, anything. I guess I shouldn't have put periods in there if there's multiple. But I think uh, Oregon would be my very, very slight preseason lean. And we just said those words verbally, but I want you to know those are written in pencil because I have the right to erase them at any moment. <laughs> but think about the Bo Nix return. Uh, there, there's a big discrepancy right now in college circles versus NFL mock draft circles. The mock draft community, first off, they don't watch any games. They just watch highlights. And they would tell you Bo Nix has nothing else to prove. He should have come out. He can't increase his value. People who actually watch the games – would tell you, no, there's still a little of that Auburn stench on him, even after a year at Oregon, a dynamite year at Oregon. He does have a lot that he can still use to improve his draft stock, and I'm sure they feel like they have some unfinished business up there in Eugene. So I'm going to slightly lean Oregon. Now you can tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. Well, you just forgot to add state at the end of the Oregon part, but, you know, other than that, I think you nailed everything. <laughs> Let me ask you on, on that, though, Josh. I mean, it, you know, we, we saw, and I think you're in the Northwest, we're a little biased because we saw Bo come from Auburn. Every Oregon fan said, oh, God, no way this is going to work, and obviously it worked. Penix comes from Washington. Go back and hear our takes on it from August. It's like this is your starting quarterback, a guy that kind of, you know, didn't do a ton at Indiana, couldn't stay healthy, really, and both of those were dream scenarios. Where are you at on DJ to Oregon State? Because it feels like everything in place for them to win it's a great roster it's a great coach the stadium's going to be done like so much anticipation but it's also a kid that he struggled mightily at clemson and that's not like a bottom of the barrel program there's a lot of talent around him there and i would argue a weak conference just what do you make a dj and and the expectations for him going into next season well here's the thing everyone notices everyone notices the kids struggle because he's the one who has to play what you can't know is how much his surroundings may have contributed to that and for all the quote-unquote talent Clemson has, they're not loaded at receiver. They haven't been for a while. Uh, they've got one of the more inexperienced offensive coaching staffs in the major power five in college football now, and that's by choice. That didn't fall on them. They had guys leave, and Dabo Swinney chose to promote from within. They had a guy calling plays this year who's never done it before. I thought they put themselves behind the eight ball there. Uh, anyway, I'm saying that to say – it wouldn't be the first time in history if it were to happen that we see a guy who we think is the problem move on and then he flourishes elsewhere and you look in the rearview mirror and that program's still the one struggling and you realize, wait a second, maybe it wasn't so much the player, maybe it was the surroundings. That's one way this could go. I think regardless of how it goes, this is a better situation for DJ because it's an offense more conducive to his particular skill set. They don't throw the ball all over the place every other down in Corvallis quite the way that they tried to do at Clemson. And as a result, I think it's a more complimentary system. I think he fits in the system better. I think he'll be more comfortable there. And it's a fresh start. Fresh starts are worth their weight in gold sometimes. Plus, I don't doubt the coaching staff that he's going to have working with him there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Last one for you, Josh. You know, looking at the weekend we just had, quickly as you can because we're against it, but how enjoy we've debated so much about the sport and NIL and the portal and the playoff and all these outside noises. How great was it just to watch two amazing games on Saturday in an era where there's been a lot of blowouts? And then what do you think happens on, what is it, Mon uh, you know, week from uh, yesterday, Monday night in the national title game? It was just great to – here's how I chose to do it. I chose to completely forget caring about what anyone else thought about my sport <laughs> on that day. I just enjoyed it for myself and didn't care about ramifications, didn't care about implications. I just saw two great games, and that's what I signed up for. As for next week, 
tough but not impossible, but it is a very tall task. I don't think Georgia is going to leave you the window that Michigan left TCU. So if you beat them, you're going to have to actually beat them. Yeah. Well, and imagine if Tulane would have beat USC in an expanded playoff there, Josh. I think you'd be happy about that, too. <laughs> no, don't go there. Don't go there. Come on. We built up all this good energy. Take, take, take my silence as protest. <laughs> Josh Pate, at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. He's a host of Late Kick Live, Late Kick Podcast, one of the best in the business. Uh, we appreciate the time. As you know, there is no off season, so we look forward to chatting with you in the non-off season as uh, we're wrapping things up here in the regular season. Thanks, as always, my man. Happy New Year to you, and look forward to doing it again soon. Same to you guys. I appreciate it. There you go. Josh Pate of the Late Kick Live and the Late Kick Podcast. Let's get to the college football playoff. We haven't talked about it much yet. So uh, let's dive into that. TCU with the shocker over Michigan. Georgia outlasting Ohio State. What did you make all of it this weekend in college football? And a true David versus Goliath in the national championship game. That's coming up next. It's right here on 1080 The Fan. Well, this weekend in college football, it's like walking through the desert for six years, surviving and coming across a body of water. Desperately needed. Is that a good analogy? Do you like that? I've had I've had vacation to work on my analogies. I know because I, I think you had other games. Like I didn't watch all of the bowl games, but I think you had some bowl games that got people pretty jacked. Yeah, it was a good bowl season. I, to, to, to the most part, though, we don't care about bowl games. You know, they're fun. You watch them if you're around. You care about your team. You care about your conference. Uh, by the way, we'll get to the mail sack coming up. We had a question come in on Pacto bowl games. So if you have any mail sack questions, send them in 503-250-1080. The, the main ones we focus on are New Year's Six games and playoff games. And I know you go back and check any tape you want on the last shows we were doing at the end of the year, previewing the playoff. The last one we did, I brought it up because it was like a week and a half away. Like, hey, anybody excited for this? Anybody? Are we going up to A and putting all of our money on Michigan and Georgia to cover? Like, we have seen so many blowouts and so many lopsided games that I just felt like we were going to get two more of those. And to be wrong... I've never been happier to be wrong. And you ended up, I think, being 100% correct. Like, Georgia's probably going to win the national championship, but you've been trumpeting all year. This is a year there's a lot of balance, and there's not really an unbeatable team. And again, while Georgia will probably win it all, that secondary stinks, man. They gave up a ton of passing yards and points to LSU. What's they TCU got, good at? Right? They got torched by, by, by Ohio State's passing attack. C.J. Stroud looked like an absolute stud. So there are vulnerabilities there. And it, it it's so fun to have a year where you get two compelling games where I went in, I watched, just like the rest of us, turn it on, expecting Michigan to boat race TCU. They had that big first play. You're like, here we go. It's on. And it didn't happen, and I've, I've never been happier to be wrong. Well, okay, so it's interesting. I didn't know you'd say that today because I thought we would come in and talk about what we've seen recently, especially the playoff games and how great they were. Uh, the coincidence of Ohio State kicking the missed field goal right as the New Year struck 12 in Ohio and people were kissing their wives. and There was a bar in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, that they were having a watch party and they dropped balloons. And the, the kick landed on the ground at midnight. At midnight, And yeah. they had a pre-planned balloon drop at midnight. And so everybody's there, happy New Year, kick thuds to the ground. They drop balloons and everybody's like just in shell shock. We had a listener tweet us and say, you guys have to bring this up. But it was a bunch of videos of people celebrating the New Year right as the kick because they thought, oh, we're going to beat Georgia, go to the national championship game and play TCU. That was a shame. That was as bad a game-winning attempt as I've seen. It looked like I kicked it. That was so bad. Uh, that being said, I still didn't think you'd say that. Like Part of the reason there was this little sliver of me that was like, eh, if Ohio State wins, I'm kind of right. I'm kind of right. I think it, you are right, yeah. Well, yeah, Georgia's still very well, probably going to win the championship. I hope TCU proves that wrong. 
I'm rooting for TCU. Hell yeah. But it does have that feel. It had that feel to me when I said it, and it has that feel all year. Michigan getting trounced the way they did at certain points of that game made me feel good because I thought what we saw from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 to the SEC to the Big 10 and everything in between, I think what we saw was with the portal now, maybe I'm wrong here, but the portal itself to me, makes it feel like all of these teams can come out of nowhere and be really stinking good. I mean, Tulane's maybe not the example for the portal working, but seeing a team like Tulane do what they did, or TCU, year one with Sonny Dykes after winning five games last year, no people, zero pundits picked them to win their conference or even go to the playoff or the national championship game. They fired a legend. Gary Patterson was the best thing ever happened to TCU. There's a statue of him outside yes. of their stadium. Sonny Dykes is the coach. I didn't think Sonny Dykes would get to a national championship in my life. I didn't know Max Dugan would be a backup quarterback <laughs> who becomes a Heisman finalist and gets to this point. And so, like, yeah, we'll talk more Pac-12 today, but I think the angle is, I think the reason you have optimism in like four or five fan bases right now, maybe it'll be more by the start of next year, is because TCU makes the Oregon states of the world dirt feel like this is possible. If you have the right mix of guys and a couple things break your way, why can't you be in this conversation? The expansion's only going to help that. But but I, I, I really, I just kind of felt it all year that, you know, Georgia probably should have lost to Missouri, for God's sakes. Missouri wasn't a great team, and so... Yeah, that's kind of why I felt that way. And I think next year, I'm probably going to feel the same way. The amount of movement we got with players now and replacing guys or, hey, we lost a five-star. Well, who cares? We got a proven commodity in Bo Nix here. I think when you get that kind of movement, it it makes more programs feel like, why can't we be a part of this next year? Texas could be a national champion next year. I don't know who's going to win it next year. And that's the crazy thing about college football now with the transfer portal. It was exactly what the doctor ordered for the sport. Like, I, I have been very vocal in criticizing the lack of interest in the playoff. It has become a regional thing. It's the SEC basically only. The games are largely blowouts. And I think a lot of people around the country, you still watch, you still care because we love college football. But the numbers, don't, they don't lie. They have gone down for basically the last five, six years. You peaked at certain points early in the playoff tenure, and they've gone down considerably. You know what this rate, this weekend's ratings were? I saw one game was like the highest and they were in through five the roof years. because and I was like why was that number number one all time well they were because they were great games like people watch when you give them compelling products and we had that this weekend and so I had the same takeaway as you it left me more excited for an expanded playoff because you had a two lane upset over USC didn't see that happening TCU beating Michigan as fun of the the story TCU was TCU lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. And then we saw the morning of the playoff, Kansas State get obliterated by Alabama. And where my mind immediately went to, that team beat TCU? There's no chance in hell TCU is going to beat Michigan. No chance. That's kind of where my mind like, went to. Alabama yeah. just smoked Kansas State. The Big 12 is probably overrated. And they scored 51 points on Michigan. I, a couple more notes on this uh, because I, I found those games amazing and fascinating. I do want to get to DJ Uyunglele. We haven't highlighted that too much yet. So I'm going to get to that in the final hour as well. I just So I just looked it up. Uh, just the Ohio State-Georgia game got 22. That doubled up 
the World Series and it beat the yeah. NBA Finals by like seven million. Well, what were the? Ra- I'd be curious if we can go find the ratings last year because you had two hor- you had Alabama, Cincinnati, which was a blowout from the start, and Georgia, Michigan, which was over in the first quarter. And I think those numbers dipped significantly. It was up twenty eight percent. Twenty eight percent. Yeah, you give them compelling games, man. It was great. Exactly what the sport needed. Want to talk a little bit more about it to start the final hour? We'll get to uh, the mail sack at eight fifteen. Get your questions in five zero three two five zero ten eighty. DJ Uyunglele is on his way to Corvallis. How fired up are Beaver fans? It's a loaded final hour. Am I re-unforking the Packers? Can we talk about that again? Are we, are we taking the fork back out? The NFL wanted you to unfork the I'm Packers. Un- I think we got unforked. The NFL handed it to the Packers. I got unforked. We're back, baby, from vacation. Loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.